Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. Today we're going to be having a conversation with someone who was integral to the creation of Black on Black Education. And so I'm super excited to hear her perspectives, hear her ideas, and I know that you guys are going to learn something from it. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast. I'm here with someone who I am super, super excited to talk to. So please tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Hey guys, um, my name is Stephanie Stamp. I am the Director of Education and Career Services at a nonprofit named CASES. Um, CASES works with individuals that have justice involvement, um, and particularly my programs service those that are under the age of 25. Mm -hmm. So uh, young adults between 17 and 24. Awesome. So... When I came up with the idea for Black on Black Education, I spoke to you and I spoke to you about kind of like what I was thinking, uh, what like the ideas going around in my head at the point where I had no idea what I wanted Black on Black Education to be. And you spoke about creating a sense of virtual mentorship through building community around the advancement of education in the Black community. And that stuck with me. So tell us about why that's so important. And especially for the students in the populations that you work with? Yeah, so a lot of the services that uh, my programs provide are around young people that have been disconnected with education and something that I've always seen and heard um, is the experiences that they had when they were in public schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started off at the agency as one of the HSC teachers um, and... It was really interesting to hear their comments and their feedback on not only the literal education they received, but the feelings that they had when they were in the classrooms. Mm. A lot of the young people didn't feel seen. They didn't feel heard. They felt um, that they were things were moving sometimes too fast for them, but there also wasn't a space for them to be able to express that. Um, They felt you know, I, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word to put on it, or they just didn't want to share that. I felt comfortable to share that with anybody. So their way of dealing with those things would be to kind of say, all right, I'm writing this thing off. Mm. And they started to disengage. And then once you start to disengage, you're using that time to do other things. Um, so it was really important when we came into, when I came into this space to think about why those young people disengage and to get to understand that why Mm. and I think that you know education has shifted in a sense over the past years and moved from more of a space of uh, the teacher being the head and that being the only way to more so understanding that education is a two-way street Mm. and that young people also bring things to the space of education and that they should be allowed to express those things um, and to understand that we are teaching them but not also they are teaching us as well Um, and just thinking of in the minds of you know folks that want to enter the field and thinking about the future it's something that needs to be infused in there and, and to be passed down and to share to say that education is you know, a lifelong experience. Education is 
not only about a physical classroom. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing all of those experiences and sharing those experiences with one another and those things that each person takes away from sharing those experiences. Um, And sometimes our youth didn't get enough credit for bringing their experiences into those spaces because it might not have looked the way that the structure looks. Absolutely. Yeah, that's... Thank you. And the hope is that people listening take those sorts of, like, gems and use them. Um, You said one thing that I wanted to clarify for listeners. What Mm -hmm. is HSC? So uh, HSC stands for High School Equivalency. So for young people that did not finish high school in a traditional route and earn a traditional high school diploma, they are able to take classes that earn them their high school equivalency diploma. Um, In the past, students would take the GED exam. Mm -hmm. And uh, in common language, folks always used to call it like you got your GED, um, but that was just the name of the test, but you got a high school equivalency diploma. Um, So yeah, HSC stands for the high school equivalency. Thanks. So moving on to the next question, we also spoke a lot about the lack of teacher of teaching self-love and appreciation in the school system. So talk a little bit about um, the need for that for Black students, specifically because of their experiences and how you learned that that was something that was necessary to incorporate in the classroom. Definitely. I can, I can think about my own experiences um, in the public school system and having very few educators or the staff in these buildings look like me. Um, And I think with that, there's somewhat of a natural disconnect that happens. Um, And now in, you know, my classroom and in the spaces that we've created, I think there's something that lends to the students feeling a natural connection first. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, being able to build, I guess, trust. Because I think something that's almost maybe not seen or ignored when you're a teacher or a facilitator or you are passing on information to someone else is that that requires trust. The person you are passing information on to trust you in some sense Mm -hmm. to listen and potentially absorb and take away the entire thing, parts of that thing, um, and when you don't trust someone, someone could be talking to you, but you're like, mm-hmm. And you keep it moving because you're going to disregard everything that's said. So there's a level of trust that happens. And um, our young people, you know, I often felt like their lives, like the folks who were in front of them didn't understand what they were going through in their lives. And, and didn't want to. And they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And they didn't feel appreciated in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and having someone who looks like you, who is also telling you, I believe in you, who is also saying, I see you, mm. who is also supporting you, whether it's, you know, your math teacher and their support is taking the extra time to help you with problems you didn't understand or whether it's someone just saying good morning or someone, mm-hmm. under, you know what I mean? Someone understanding what's happening in your community mm-hmm. without you having to go through a full-blown explanation from Absolutely. A to Z. Um, those things play a part. Um, our times have shifted. And, you know, 
in my time, not that I'm that old, <laughs> this is like my time back in the day, um, that, you know, I think we took like, okay, the teacher said this, so you went, okay, the teacher said that, so that's that. Mm-hmm. And in 2019 and moving forward, young people, whether they're five or they're 25, are questioning things more and they're not just willing to say, okay, the teacher said that, so that's that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, why? <laughs> What else is there? What do you mean by that? Um, And with the questioning, you're starting to look at people and kind of wonder, like, why are you here? Like, what's going on? And I think all of those things play out in the classroom. Um, So definitely being able to see somebody that looks like you and is, is pouring into you as a person whether, you know, you have someone consistently saying, like, how was your day? How was your night? You know, are you okay? What are you doing? What yeah. are you into? Someone listening and knowing you're into music and then they're continually tapping into like, yeah. oh, so what's new with you in music and all of those things yeah. um, definitely play out. And they, the student then looks at themselves and kind of begins to re-image themselves in yeah. a little bit. They start to appreciate who they are. They start to say like, oh, that's okay. Um, and once you start that belief in yourself, that's when you can start like those moments of change to move forward and and make different decisions. You know, in our line of work here, we're often we're in contact often with youth that have gone through the justice system. Um, or as the article I read the other day, it was like reshifting it to the legal system because yeah. there because is a lack of justice and, sometimes yeah. in that system. So them moving through those systems and there's a lot before we even think about tackling passing a math section or social (laughs) studies section of a task that we have to do because this young person might we might need to work on that person's self-love and that Mm. person's self-esteem and saying like you can do this and we might be turning someone who's felt like a failure so therefore, they don't even want to begin. Mm. And most of our work is saying you can do this, yeah. and we're not going anywhere, and we're here, mm-hmm. and let's go through it together, and not just say, "Oh, well, you didn't get it, so next," yeah, and move on. Um, and once you get those moments and those breakthroughs, that person is open to like, "Okay, I'll try it your way. I'll follow your lead. I'll go." Okay, you said like I should do this. Like let's do that, but. I think it's definitely appreciating who our students are mm-hmm. completely and fully, irregardless of the situations. And if we appreciate them, they'll start to appreciate themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like having have worked here, yeah. um, I know that that is so true. Like I had people who came in and were like... <laughs> A lot of sound effects happen. (laughs) Every other word, every other question is (laughs) all the attitude in the... But then we got to a point where they were like, okay, but she's coming back every week. Mm -hmm. And she's trying again. Mm -hmm. And then when I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it, she's not mad at me. She's just saying, all right, well, let's take responsibility for what we did not do Mm -hmm. and keep it pushing. And I didn't start with... You didn't do what I said. Well, how was your day? How are you feeling? What's going on? Why didn't it get done? Sometimes it was, I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to. I didn't do it. I just didn't. Yeah. And like, sometimes that's the answer. And then sometimes the answer is my mom, my brother got arrested. And so 
like just thinking about touching on what you just said it's so my high school experience I didn't feel disengaged because mm-hmm. my principal every morning no matter how cold it was mm-hmm. no matter how warm it doesn't matter he was outside in his suit every morning to mm-hmm. say hello to every child mm-hmm. that walked through that door and so the difference between feeling seen mm-hmm. and Eva hey how you doing knowing us by name mm-hmm is so different from the experiences that I've sat in this building with these kids of, I've had teachers I've gone to for half the year don't know my name. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it, it's it's starting with, you want kids to take information from you when you don't even care about that person and, and what they're going to use that information for. Mm-hmm. Very true. I, I think my elementary school experience was like that because mm-hmm. I went to school in my neighborhood and... That's exactly how it was. The principal knew the parents. Mm-hmm. Like she could call, like the same thing, call you out by name, tell you good morning. All the parents knew the kids. Mm-hmm. So you would be telling, you know, hi, good afternoon, whoever, to everybody else out there. Um, and as I moved to different settings and different experiences, I could definitely say that I felt like school was like just a place to be for those hours Mm. um and that was it like i never had a personal attachment Mm. to school after that fact i had a personal attachment to my friends yeah i had a personal attachment (laughs) to um you know kind of like those memories you create with your friends but i can't say that i had an attachment to the institution it was like okay i'm here from this hour to this hour and as soon as that hour was done i was out yeah whereas elementary school i was attached to the friends i was attached to the space the Mm. building the you know principal vice principal like all of these other people I mean, I can like remember principals' names after that. Probably not for positive experiences. <laughs> um, definitely, high school was not positive experiences. Mm. But um, for both of it, it was very much like, a, okay, I'm here. Oh, it's the end of the day. Great, and I'm going right. Like there was no join this, do yeah, that yeah, extra yeah. thing. No. It was just like I'm going to go home now. And if you have that feeling, and then added on the feeling of this person doesn't like they know my name because they have to call it to to check off an attendance box but that's about as deep as they get um i've seen a lot a lot of the youth there they get labeled they get all of these things thrown on them and sometimes it's not even about them right like the amount of things that would prevent a young person from just actively wholeheartedly participating in their education is a long list of things. Mm-hmm. It can go down to start from I don't have enough like clean clothes to mm-hmm. go to school. And then that triggers absences because that kid doesn't want to show up in the same outfit every day of the week yeah. and be made fun of. So they don't go. Yeah. To more severe problems but those things are just taken as oh this kid is lazy and doesn't want to show up or oh this kid wanders the halls Mm -hmm. are we asking that young person why they're not in the seat and why they're (laughs) wandering the hall maybe there's like something that's not connecting maybe you know they feel so lost that they're like what's the point of being in that room Mm -hmm. 
So it's just like, what's that extra step for those kids that are disengaging or need something else to engage? What are we doing to do that in that space? And I definitely think like educators now need to consider those factors. It's not always about somebody just not Not wanting wanting to do something. It's like there is a barrier and we should be trying to figure out what the barrier is and then attempting to remove that barrier for them. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just like the same way that like the pol- policy makers and administrators and teachers don't want to be painted with a broad brush mm-hmm. of you guys are all not doing mm-hmm. it right or none of Correct. you are fixing the education system or you're all the problem with why our kids aren't aren't um, excelling. Correct. The same way that you don't want those assumptions made about you and the work that you do every day students coming into that building don't want those the same assumptions. Yeah. So, and and kind of touching on a lot of what you just said, the fact is, is that building a community is not easy. Uh, we often learn what has happened in the past and the problems with it, but place too much focus on our differences. So, like, within the black community, we have colorism, mm-hmm. uh, national origin. If you're from Africa, then that's a different situation than being African-American or being black or being from the Caribbean. Hair texture. Like, we find ways to slice and dice us within our community. So rather than continue to focus on those differences, we need to connect those divisions. And and in regard to black life in general and bringing to the national consciousness that like black life is valued outside of being a basketball player, outside Mm -hmm. of being um, Jay-Z or Tyler Perry, outside Mm -hmm. of being um, a good singer or dancer, Mm -hmm. um, we are valued Mm-hmm. just in its entirety and so what's the importance of bringing that togetherness and and for you how have you been able to to work toward creating that community here and mending those divides and then what needs to happen to even bet into either uh further in so those 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 uh barriers um i think i'm always going to have my education is the key <laughs> you know quote behind a lot of reasoning but it is and again understanding that education doesn't mean school Mm -hmm. Um, but I think a part of what we need to realize and put together is that right think about yourself forget like a hole in, 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 in the moment in the moment when you think about yourself the things that you have achieved and the things that you have done to move forward, there's an attachment to at least one person to those things. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you have not done all of these things all by yourself. Mm-hmm. There is an arm, multiple <laughs> arms that have assisted you in getting to that point. Mm-hmm. So the lesson there is that we can't do it by ourselves. You need someone else. Now, I know that in our community, there has been very intentional things put into our community so that we are divided. That, that wasn't something that we woke up one day and created on our own. They're very intentional. I think as we are moving on and out of generations and into other generations, younger generation is noticing that divide mm-hmm. and noticing those intentional things and noticing that they have power to be different, think different, move differently. Mm -hmm. So we have to really identify and come to the agreement that at the end of the day, you are not alone and you can't do everything alone. Mm -hmm. And the quicker that we recognize that it does require 
assistants, a team, one other person, the other person, 10 other people, Mm -hmm. um, is the way that we'll set up, right? Like different communities, different civilizations. It's all about, okay, how do we start with A, then take A and grow it to A and B, Mm -hmm. then take A and B and grow that to A, B, and C, and Mm -hmm. continue to expand in that way. And that's kind of the thing that we need to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's going to be a process because... There's a lot of things ingrained that have to be uncovered Mm -hmm. and dealt with and acknowledged and decided that we are moving forward from. You mentioned a couple of those, right? Like, I'm so happy, proud, can't even tell you how much, like, having my hair natural and seeing other women with, like, natural hair and being able to stop random people in the street and just be like, your hair is dope. Yeah. And walk away. Right? Like all of this love that's coming mm-hmm. from each other, yourself giving that to another person and just giving that compliment and being like, Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> and then they're like, thank you. And then you walk away. Um, it's spreading that. Mm-hmm. And you know, and doing that is dispelling a lot of years of like, what looks pretty and acceptable yep. in all of these terms that, that have been thrown around for a long time. Um, so I think it's like acknowledging and, and in that movement of self-love and self-love meaning like if I love me, I am loving all of my sisters that are my sister, right? Like yeah. I'm loving all of these people because we are all the same in that sense and we're all beautiful and it's just like yes let's continue to spread that message um but it it will take some some time throughout to 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 get rid of some of those things that are were intentionally placed to create that divide um and then you know it's about spreading resources i think one of the things that means something to me in this work that i do is that we're constantly exposing our young people and making connections to resources. I can't, you know, and to different just and to different ways of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We can't force you to, but it's just like if we have this thing and we're saying, "Hey, we have this thing. <laughs> this is what it is, and when you are ready to connect to it, we are here with it." Got it. And, you know, whether that's being able to tr- like we were speaking about traveling before we started mm-hmm. the the episode, and whether it's like traveling to different cities, states, There's countries. Some who ain't never left Brooklyn. Yes, <laughs> and that's a lot of the young people that I work with. It's like they have not left their neighborhood. They have not left New York City. They haven't gone to the different boroughs. And all right, cool. Guess what we're gonna do? Yeah. We're going to be all over the place. We're going to D.C. We're going to Philly. We're going to wherever because it's just important that you get access to these things. But also, not only that you have the access, that you feel like you deserve the access. Mm. Like, you don't feel like this is Mm. not a place for... I don't belong there. Like, no. Why? Why don't we belong there? Right? Um, And even in places in the city, I just remember being like, okay... 
Like, why shouldn't we be strolling down Soho and all of these mm-hmm. other different parts of the city? Like, there's no reason that you go stroll. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. so kind of giving access and resources, but it's like, you know, once we're in a position to spread knowledge and education, we should do so mm-hmm. and pay it forward. Yeah. And then that person pays it forward. And by you know hopefully in that turn like we are starting to change those patterns of thoughts and those those habits and those those things that were i guess passed through generations and we're kind of um making those changes and breaking those bonds i like to think about um in my own life like uh, my fiance and i talk about breaking generational curses mm. and how we have to be very intentional within our family unit yes, to, <laughs> to break yes. generational curses and some of this stuff is generational curses as a community not just your households but yeah. um it starts in a household. yeah it's breaking those things and then and and you know you talk to your friends and you spread your circle and you you but again you have to be willing to accept and to listen and to hear and to learn from another person. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing that we have to do is like, I'm willing to listen and learn from somebody else and yeah, think about things or at least look at something maybe from a different perspective, different light. Mm. Um, no, I vividly remember being here and uh, one of the students saying, you talk white. Mm. And yes. being like, boy, <laughs> let me put you on because uh-uh. I'm not going to let you walk out of here thinking that because you don't even understand what you're saying. You're saying that then you inherently are not smart. You're saying that you inherently are not intelligent, that this way of speaking or this or or the knowledge that I have or the things that I've learned, I I, I have to become I have to get closer to whiteness in order to receive them. Correct. And that is just not true. Yep. And so we're kidding. He's like, whoa, you're getting so upset. I'm like, I'm not upset. I'm just letting you know that that was incorrect. And we are not going to let you leave here not understanding that that way of thinking that we have to figure out where it came from and then get it out of here. Because I want you to know that you as you are exactly the way you are is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like those are those generational things that pass down to us, right? Like you generations before had to really think about how they were going to flow into culture Mm -hmm. and they had to assimilate in a sense into things that maybe they didn't naturally want to do but it's like all right if i want to move forward get ahead make a better life i have to do x y and z and sometimes you can lose certain parts of yourself in doing so i think for us and what our young people get to see in um kind of like our generation is that we're able to understand and able to make that connection and still say we're professionals just like everybody else and we don't have to switch and Mm -hmm. you know theoretically move into this different sector because of that um I remember in teaching when I was in a classroom and I'd get a new class and you know you do your like meet and greets and people Mm -hmm. get to know each other I always like to have the young people assume, because mm-hmm. that's what the, what it was, like, 
They're like, well, where are you from? I never answered their question at first. I'd kind of be like, where do you think I'm from? <laughs> and the amount of things that used to come, I was like, man, I wish I had the amount of money y'all are assuming that I got in my life or had in my life for what? I don't know. But it's like, oh, you live over here. And it'd be like the most expensive parts of Brooklyn. And I'm like, who told you that? Why would you think that? And you know, like, and it's all of assumptions and almost that theory of like, well, you sound white. And I was like, okay. And dispelling that and what that means. And I'm just like, there's a sounding of nothing. I have a job and I'm at my job and I'm professional. Mm-hmm. And once we can like move into a different space, then I'm a different person. Yeah. But I was like, those are skill sets I've learned mm-hmm. over the course of my time to yeah. say that. I can chop it up with you just like anybody else when you go back home. Mm-hmm. Or I can be like, hi, good evening. How are you? Yeah, like, yeah. like we can just, we can figure it out. And but, I was like, yeah. But I, I mean, yeah. So. <sighs> so, um, I think we are pretty similar in our ideas about what we would, in a perfect world, what we want our education system to look like, especially for, um, for our black youth. But, I think something that's often overlooked is the idea that like schools are supposed to be creating a certain type of citizen Mm -hmm. and we're not creating people who are holistically well. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the, in financial means, mental means, physical means, psychological. Um, And so what are some of the ways that you incorporate these things in, or what are some of like in that perfect world, if we're going into what that perfect world would look like that you would want to implement so that we could create Um, schools that are preparing black students to be well holistically I think we definitely have to leave space for thinking about feelings and trauma Mm. and the the lives and experiences our young people are going through so something that's equally important as phys ed should be having a social worker uh, if not multiple social workers on staff at all schools Mm -hmm. because there needs to be a space at school for you to be able to work through some of those traumas and some of those experiences with someone Mm. and potentially depending on the experience and trauma if there's even access to work on it with your family Mm. Um, because And we've fallen into the trappings, right? We serve young people, and often enough, we think about that young person. Mm. But regardless of school or our program, that young person is with us from a specific time to a Mm. specific time. Then they go home, they go back to their communities, and they are there more than they're with us. Mm. So if we're trying to approach something, something, sometimes that might be more intense and we might think that okay we need to also approach the family or bring some another layer into to address what's really happening um so i definitely think access to having counselors Mm. therapists on site to help a young person is important and then if you have you know a young person who's just naturally going through school and they, you know, might not have as much of a need to talk to the counselor or therapist. It's also then incorporating useful life skills. A lot, I think now we've also shifted into young people wanting to know how does this help me in life 
what am I going to do with this? So how am I going to use this? I don't want to learn something that's necessarily theoretical. Like, am I putting this into practice? practice? Mm -hmm. Am I going to do something with this? Um, So having even curriculum or extra classes that show those connections and ties. I um, We spoke about that the, the year that you interned here about the importance of having like financial literacy and the importance of you understanding money. That is also something that our community does not have the same footing as everybody else around. And it's something that we need to even ensure that from a young age you're understanding the principles of money and how that leads and plays out to you as you move through life and as you get older Mm -hmm. Um, and you know often enough folks inherit wealth and we're a community that's not set up to inherit Mm -hmm. we um, often each person has to do it for themselves and build their own and there's not necessarily inheritance happening Um, And it's looking at that. And I remember seeing a quote on a shirt that's like, um, hustle for your last name. Mm. And I was like, it sat with me for a minute. Like, what does that mean? And then I was like, my interpretation of this Mm -hmm. is it's around inheritance. Yeah. Right. You are hustling for that. Generational wealth. Exactly. Communities in this country have. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's just the it's the idea that like how many basketball players, uh, rappers are now broke yes. because they got millions of dollars and had no idea how to handle it or trusted a the, human to do it for them and never look. You just ought to, you had yeah, blind yeah. faith mm-hmm. and said that person will do it, and then that person robbed you blind. And there is something that I'm like, if our young people you know, want to pursue being entrepreneurs and want to pursue that. I'm not definitely not here to shut that down at At all, all. Mm -hmm. but I want them to understand that in pursuing that, you also have to educate yourself on what all of the levels of that means, which is a part of, you need to at least know some type of skills around money management because you should want to say to that person who's managing your money, Give me my stuff. Let me check it over every once in a while. You need to know what you're looking at. Yep. And, you know, you don't need to necessarily be the Wall Street investor, but you need to also understand your ins, your outs, what's going to what, why is this pay, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, not kind of blind trusting anyone to just take care of these things for you. But, you know, even down to the you're not famous and making that mm-hmm. type of income, like understand managing your money. Sometimes like. There are people who make far less, who have way better money management skills than someone who's making a whole bunch of money and have poor management skills. And it's understanding the importance of that. So it's like looking at a student's life and not only thinking about how do we get you to pass high school and how do we get you to pass these regents. It's like, how do we get you prepared for life? And... Whether we're talking about dealing with emotions, because emotions don't go away after you're a teenager, you need to be built and and, and to infuse some strategies in your life to deal with stress, yes. to deal with anxiety. There are tons of kids now that are anxious and from really young ages. Mm-hmm. 
And we have to acknowledge those things and say, okay, how are we arming our young people with strategies to get through these things in life and not just sending them, you know, and and granted, I think I was part of a generation that was like sent out and figured these things out for myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as a mom, I'm attempting and doing my best to say, again, breaking those generational curses, how am I assisting my kids Mm. with thinking about those things from now. Yeah. How I my oldest son is definitely a young man who is anxious about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, gets anxiety for chess, gets anxiety around thinking about the future, gets anxiety around so many things. And it's like how do I give him a space to acknowledge those feelings? Mm-hmm. And then give him a space to provide a strategy to help him cope. Not just dismiss them. And make them seem like, oh, you're weak for having feelings and these things. I think, you know, a lot of our black boys have been made to feel like it's bad to have feelings and to express feelings. Yes. You're a man. And it's like, we're people. (laughs) Things hurt. You cry. Like, that's the end of the story. Um, Absolutely. You are actually stronger to be able to talk about your feelings and move past it than to suppress it and be a ball of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting in that work for people to understand, like it's actually, it says something about you that you can, you can be yeah. brave enough to face those things and then find out how to move through them than if it's just avoidance. And I think we've all experienced what happens in avoidance whether it's in our families or whatever we know what that looks like as a community and how do we create those safe spaces for our kids to be themselves to say what they feel to nurture them all the way around nurture their feelings nurture their learning spirit and them being inquisitive nurture Things we would like to pass down to them. Mm. Create spaces for us to be uncomfortable, right? Because me talking about feelings with my kid is a different space. I did not grow up that way. Mm -hmm. So I'm uncomfortable when I'm creating that space Mm -hmm. because it's against my nature Mm -hmm. at this point. So I have to say, all right, let me be uncomfortable to (laughs) go there to provide that comfortable um, space for him. So it's it's looking at our young people all together. You know, we and 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 then taking some good old school stuff, right? Like yeah. it's still like every like we should, you know, go old school sometimes and be like, "All right, let's do some laundry and some ironing." Like some <laughs> of those things still stick. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, lifelong skills that we need, but what are we are we preparing our young people right now to hear knows to potentially experience it won't all go well all the time to experience not everybody gets a trophy mm-hmm. <laughs> right like what are what's get the, no trophy for what showing are we experiencing up. what are we providing for them to experience those things and for them to say i feel this and like acknowledging that's completely fine and okay and like the second step mm-hmm. um yeah, it's okay to have that in this moment. Yeah. But now how do we get from where you are right now to where you want to be? Yeah, absolutely. And so in talking about what our a beautiful, amazing school is going to look like, and I don't want to put a number on it, <laughs> I'm not ready yet, but um, 
what groups and organizations other than cases do you know that are doing this work and why is it important to figure out some way to connect them so like with this podcast that's kind of what i've been doing is like talking to people who are looking at education in various different ways so you treat teach and work in a non-traditional setting Mm -hmm. i've talked to teachers who are working and currently in Mm -hmm. the trenches in in doe Mm -hmm. schools i'm trying to get a charter up on here Mm -hmm. so we can figure out what that looks like and how that comes together and i'm also speaking to a woman who is a career um educator and she said you know what like but we know that it's bigger than this. It's a curriculum problem. It's a yeah. um, not put having restorative justice practices yes. problem. So she left and became an entrepreneur yeah. and is now um, selling her services to schools around the country to get them to understand that emotional, um, social emotional help is something that needs to be implemented in our school. Restorative mm-hmm. justice practices are things that need to be implemented in our schools. So overall, this question is basically like, who do you know other than you guys that's doing this work? And then how do how, in your opinion, do we connect them um, so that we can scale the work to a point where not only black students, because I'm checking for all students who aren't getting yeah, yeah. the work well, that they need. They yeah. don't, they're not getting the information that they need to succeed in a, in a, a massively changing society. Um, like, how do we how do we scale it? Yeah, is really my question. I think you it's it's definitely finding no matter what path people are in or on it's finding like-minded individuals who have that same passion to want to change these things right so there are tons of organizations like us that work with the specific population mm-hmm. of those who have had justice involvement so you have organizations like Fortune Society organizations like the Osborne Association um, that work with those individuals. You have different uh, HSE programs throughout the city. Some are ran by DOE and some independent ones exist, like Opportunities for a Better Tomorrow has mm-hmm. um, an HSC service. But then you can also find like-minded individuals, like you said, within the DOE or um, in alternative settings as a particular... I have a program that exists for youth that live in the Coney Island area in Brooklyn and there's a principal of an alternative school who totally understands what is happening you know within that neighborhood and what young people need and is willing to kind of offer those extra services and shape her school building and setting to reflect the needs of those young people. So, you know, she's going above and beyond to connect members of the community to do things that involve not only the young people, but their parents mm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out different resources, coming up with um, community events and activities for for people to participate in in her community that would eventually succeed that see that success flow through all of the individuals in that school. So I think it's finding like-minded folks and then figuring out how do we work together and how do we pair up to push that agenda forward. Um, But there are so many, you know, different organizations that really at heart do this work. And I've, come to find and kind of a thorough appreciation working at cases for working with the justice involved community Mm -hmm. because you know as we know people go through that system for many different reasons 
and sometimes a reason that is not even valid enough to change your life the way that being in that system mm-hmm. alters your life. Yeah. Um, and to be a part of those stories where I see a young person, you know, come in and have the experiences that they have and whether they leave here with a diploma, whether they've left here with self-confidence, employment, um, but it's like when they come back to tell you like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. And, you know, the success that's happening in their lives. And then they, you know, graciously attribute that <laughs> to the organization. And and that is really, you know, where you see that, that gratification. Mm-hmm. And to know that we're a part of changing people's lives and assisting them in however way or form leaving gems and whether those gems get uncovered (laughs) two, three years down the road. Um, Yeah. Being in that space, uh, we go to different, you know, conferences for uh, those that are justice involved. There's a whole network of um, programs that have come together and formed like the reentry network. Mm. And they're all programs that deal with reentry services for those who are coming out of contact with the system um, and some of those services are provided while someone is incarcerated mm-hmm. and some of those are like community-based organizations for them to come to once they are released. Got it. But there's a there's a, a group, a network of folks that do this work. Um, even in our building, Brooklyn Community Services is another organization. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different systems in this building alone. I think there's a foster care agency upstairs. But just kind of everybody being in that shared space and having the same agenda Hmm. and just wanting to see our young people succeed. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And that just even saying the word network, it is Mm -hmm. creating a network of Mm -hmm. people who are like, no, we're not taking no for an answer. Mm -hmm. We're just going to keep pushing and and banging on the door until you open it up. Um, I love that. And so if you could give a short, quick, little, like, if you could talk to... As someone who's been an educator, if you could yeah. talk to parents, administration, policymakers, something that all three of those people need to know and hear as it pertains to um, education for uh, black people in general, not even uh-huh. just youth, um, what would that little tidbit be to give to them? My tidbit would be that we are gems and mm-hmm. we are beautiful and who we are individually and as a whole is something to be nurtured Mm. cherished and supported are y'all listening (laughs) um (laughs) i think that and you know what that goes for anybody right but i think there is something to really acknowledge that like black and brown people have not had systemic support in that way and we all know the roots and the causes of <laughs> and how we've played out to being here in 2019. But there needs to be that understanding that everything that happened hundreds of years ago are still very much in play mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And how it shapes our, you know, viewpoints on each other, how it shapes viewpoints when we are in these different systems. So it needs to, we need to be seen 
and appreciated. Mm. And once you feel like something is appreciated, you put your time and your energy and your efforts and your support into that thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what needs to happen for, you know, I'm going to always reference back to young people because that is just the lane that I live in. Um, And that is my like soft spot and what I love to talk about and do. But that investment into people and to see them and who they are is is what's going to make that difference. Mm-hmm. You cannot throw money at a problem. That's not the, the solution. Now, granted, funds are always important, oh, right? Yes. And oh, coming yes. from nonprofit life, funds are important. Policymakers, are you listening? But who are allocating funds? Are you? <laughs> but we need to be seen, <laughs> yeah, and to be valued. Mm. And once that mindset is there, you will put that energy into that young person. And until then, us folks on the ground will be putting that energy regardless of whatever. Absolutely. Um, We are here to serve our community and to look out for those best interests of our children and adults. Mm -hmm. Because our agency also kind of, we work with 10 and up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just my particular department focuses on that age group, but we are here to to really be invested in our community and invested in that community and and to make those changes and to be on the forefront. Amazing, thank you. So, as we round out and finish up, do you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, anything for Black on Black Education? So, you know that we've worked together for a year, and from the time that I've met you, I feel like the four-letter word of dope has been in my brain the entire time. Um, And I think more of a testament to you and my sentimental emotion is going, I'm very proud of you for starting the podcast. And for putting this forum together and I'm just thoroughly excited to be a part of it and be in an episode and then also to see where this goes from here Um, and to any other educator out there. And again, educator does not mean you are attached to a school because we are all educators in our own right. You know, keep doing the work and keep believing in people. Um... And definitely, like, we are all important and beautiful and love, right? Mm-hmm. We are love, and we should be reciprocating and spreading that love out there. Thank you. Just like Amanda Seal says, we are each other's business. So be somebody's business. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you.